Chapter One of Miss D. Dunmore Bryant. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Miss D. Dunmore Bryant by Pansy. Chapter One The Family Gathering. Daisy Bryant sat on a low chair in front of the fire, staring into the blaze. Her hands were folded idly in her lap, and her eyes had in them a look which the others called far away. Daisy was thinking. She did a good deal of thinking for a girl only eight years old. The chair she sat in was a little old-fashioned splint-bottomed one, whose legs had been cut off on purpose to make it a comfortable height for Daisy's little legs when they were shorter than at the time of which I write. Daisy still liked the chair very much, and always sat in it when she was thinking. The other furniture in the room matched Daisy's chair. That is, it was neither newer nor nicer in any way. There was not a great deal of it. The floor had a neat strip of rag carpeting over in the part which Daisy called the study. There was also a little square table over there, with the Bible on it, and Daisy's geography, and Ben's arithmetic, and a tiny basket that held Line's crochet work. At first Daisy had objected to the crochet work, that it did not belong to a study, but one evening, in the very middle of Miss Sutherland's study table, what did she see but a fluffy ruffle with Miss Sutherland's needle set in its hem, and her thimble lying beside it? Since that time the crochet basket had held peaceable possession. In front of the stand was a high-backed chair, also of the old-fashioned kind. It used to have arms, but one of them had been broken in moving, and one day the other slipped out of place and fell on the floor. What Miss Bryant said when she saw it was, Now if those rods which used to support the arms were taken out, that would make a good sewing chair. So Ben took the rods out, and a sewing chair it became. Ben had also contrived a neat little place under the stand, into which Mrs. Bryant's work-basket would fit. That work-basket was really a sore trial to Daisy. She felt very sure it ought not to be part of the furniture of a study. But of course Mother must sit with them in the long winter evenings, and part of Mother's life was that never-empty basket. One day a bright thought came to Daisy, or rather to Ben. They have waste-baskets in studies always, I guess, Miss Daisy said, looking thoughtfully at the offending basket. At least Miss Sutherland does, and I suppose they all do. I can see how they would need them. But then yours isn't a waste-basket, is it, mother? I don't know about that, Ben had said, just as the last quarter of his slice of bread was going into his mouth. I think there's a good deal wasted out of my stockings by the time they are popped in there. The pair I wore last week were wasted so badly that my two big toes were nothing to speak of the last two days. And I should say there was considerable waste to the elbow of your brown dress that went into the basket last night, Line said, reaching for a second baked potato, then deciding she would leave it to warm up. Line was eleven, and had to do her share of the thinking. Daisy turned beaming eyes on her mother. There is a sense in which it is a wastebasket after all, don't you think so, mother? Seems to be, 
said the mother, trying not to smile at Daisy's large phrases. Seems to so, you mean, mother, said Ben, who was always making puns to spice the dinner with, he sometimes told Line when they were having an unusually dry meal. Then they all laughed, and the question of the waste work basket was comfortably settled. The study had almost no other furniture of its own, unless a pleasant window where the afternoon sun shone in and lovely sunsets exhibited may be called furniture. It had a neat white curtain made of the better half of a sheet, the other part having wasted away. In the evening, when the work was done, Daisy's low chair and Line's green-painted wooden one and Ben's, from which the back was gone, moved into the study where the arithmetic and geography and sometimes a spelling book held close attention lines swift fingers weaving her web of crochet while she studied daisy had dreams of a different study from this she never peeped into miss sutherland's on the hill whither she was often sent on errands either to take home the new strip of crochet work or the pile of fresh handkerchiefs her mother had ironed but she told herself one of these days we'll have a study just like this hammock and all for one of the things which especially took her fancy was that lovely gold-coloured hammock which swayed gracefully to and fro with miss sutherland looking lovely in her white cashmere wrapper lounging in it book in hand the two great cottages of chairs which were always in this room daisy decided should be one for mother and one for company but as for line and ben and herself she could never be quite sure just what sort of chair would be the best to read and study in. I don't quite like the cottages for studying, she would say reflectively, because, you see, they are so soft and fluffy that all I want to do when I get into one is curl up in a nice ball and think. And I can't ever study well when I want to think. There was a shout of laughter over this, and Ben said that because Daisy did her studying without any thinking, must be the reason why she always wanted to spell believe e-i instead of i-e but mrs bryant took daisy's part declared she understood her perfectly and that she did not think miss sutherland's cottages were good chairs for studying so that matter was still unsettled as to the part of the room where daisy sat which did not belong to the study there was a cook stove which at this moment was aglow not so much because the day was unusually cold, as because Mrs. Bryant needed some irons heated just right for very fine ironing. Her table and ironing board occupied quite a large space. Certain shelves ranged along the wall held all the dishes the small house owned, and these were hidden from dust behind neat calico curtains drawn close. For the rest, there was another table where the kitchen work was done, with the little house under it where the pots and kettles and pans lived curtained in a chair apiece for the four who belonged to the family a beautifully clean floor a bush in the south window that occasionally put forth a red rose that was all poor well mrs bryant and ben and line knew that they were sometimes daisy shrewdly suspected it though the burdens of poverty were kept from her young shoulders as much as possible. She knew that their house was very small, ridiculously so, 
when compared with the Sutherland home. In fact, I will give you a glimpse of that little cottage as it shrank away from view behind the hill on that November day. Just a queer little cabin with old-fashioned windows and doors, not intended for a house at all in the first place, but it had grown into one because of Mrs. Bryant's needs. Daisy knew that their mother had to work very hard to furnish even this small home with the necessaries of life. She knew also that in the busy season, Line and Ben had to work as hard as their mother, and as the busy season reached quite beyond the time for the schools to reopen in the fall, Line and Ben had been always behind in their studies, which had been a sore trial, not only to them but to Daisy, ever since she could remember, because she saw an intimate connection between that and her mother's sorrowful face and occasional tears. Now you are anxious to know what made the busy season, and what sort of work it was in which all, even Daisy, during this last year could help. Why, you must know that Mrs. Bryant lived in a village where there was a large canning factory. Here were canned all sorts of fruits and vegetables, peas and beans and corn and tomatoes, and some of the various sorts had a fashion of getting themselves ripe at the same time, and of crowding themselves into the factory with a determined air that said, Take us now or not at all. We'll decay, we'll sour, we'll dry up, we'll ruin ourselves in some way unless you give us immediate attention. And so true to their word were they, that all the village grew into the habit of heeding their warning, and peaches were pared, and corn husked, and the little mill which cut it from the cob was fed as fast as two busy pairs of hands could push in the corn, and the great engine wheel whizzed around, and the great iron furnaces capable of taking care of several hundred cans at once were heated, and for days and days people flew around that great building as though everything that was worth caring for in this world was corn and tomatoes and a few such things. Within the last year Daisy had been promoted and allowed to work a few hours of each day in the factory. What do you think she did? You would never guess in the world, I believe, so I will have to tell you. Hour after hour were her small neat fingers kept busy laying shining little tin covers on the filled cans, ready for the hands of the man who sealed them on. Now confess, didn't you suppose you could cover all the tin cans there were in the world in the space of an hour or two? Yet here was spry little Daisy working at it day after day. Ah, but you see, you don't begin to realize how many tin cans there are in the world. When it comes to half a million being sent out from just one factory, then you are prepared to open your eyes wide and do some thinking. One of the trying features of this business was that it would persist in crowding itself into a few weeks of time, making everybody work day and night as though work was all there could be of life, and then suddenly shutting down for a long winter, when the engine and the furnaces lay cold and still, and many of the busy workers found nothing to do. It was at this season of the year that Mrs. Bryant's ironing board came into service. For work as she would during the busy season to lay up for the winter, she found it a trying time. Harder than usual on this winter of which I write, because, in the very midst of the busiest season, Daisy herself had been taken sick, and lay very ill for days, 
and her mother had promptly turned away from the drying corn and wasting peaches, as though they were of the very smallest consequence, and hung over her little daughter day and night, and brought her through with good nursing, if ever a woman did, the doctor had said, as he drew on his gloves at that last visit. All this Daisy knew, as well as any of them, made this winter harder than any which had been since that one when the snow first fell on her father's grave. Ben had left school and gone into one of the stores as general errand boy, and sometimes clerk. When Daisy asked him if he had left school for good, he answered cheerily, "'Why, of course, Daisalinda. I hope you did not think it was for bad.' Then he had whistled a little, to keep a troublesome lump from rising in his throat. Line, too, had left school, and was doing the most of the work, that her mother might have all the more time for fine ironing. "'It doesn't matter so much,' Line had said cheerfully to her mother. "'You see, we got so far behind, during the busy season, that we could not go on with our classes anyway.' and Ben and I mean to study every evening, and get ahead of the class by spring. And the mother had smiled, and said, I am blessed in my children. And they had all known that she cared very much. As for Daisy, she knew that Line cried once in a while, when she thought nobody saw her, and she knew that the doctor's bill was very long, so she thought a great deal during these days, and silently gave up some plans that she had hoped to begin to carry out. She was resolved that the others should not have all the sacrifice. For was she not eight years old? Among other schemes which she quietly gave up was that one of having a square of carpet with a border to it for the study. It had seemed to her that this would be beginning to be a little like Miss Sutherland's study how much of a beginning it would really have been, you might perhaps realize more fully, could you take a careful look at the room which was Daisy's model. But Daisy realized fully that more carpet was quite out of the question this year. There had been another plan to have a motto for her study, and to have it by Thanksgiving morning. Not a lovely painted one, like Miss Sutherland's, which had been very lately sent to her, and was one of the first things Daisy had seen the other day while she waited for the change, but one worked on cardboard, such as she had seen in the stores, such as she knew she could buy for ten cents, and the silks to work it for five cents more. But where are the fifteen cents to come from? Daisy asked herself with an exceedingly thoughtful face. The more she thought, the more sure she was that the motto would have to be given up. She did not know that anyone understood her sacrifice, but there were more things understood in that house than Daisy dreamed of. Just the evening before Thanksgiving, the family were gathered in the study, mother sewing as usual, Ben and Line studying, Daisy thinking. Suddenly she broke forth. Mother, what are we going to be thankful for tomorrow? Thankful for? repeated the mother in a mildly astonished tone, while Ben looked up from his book and whistled softly, and Line laughed. But Daisy held her ground. Why, yes, oughtn't we to think up things and be ready? It isn't as though we had a great many, you know. I think we have a great many, and I think thinking them up is a very good idea. 
said mrs bryant as she sewed and smiled the whole family were taken up with the idea ben engaged to do the example in his notebook and the list began you give the first one mother daisy said well in the first place we are all well and all together four healthy bryants wrote ben with a flourish only daisy keeping her gravity the while she was very much in earnest i am thankful for this history said line hugging her second-hand book i thought i should have to make one of my own before i heard of this and one history old as the united states and good as new went down on ben's list for his first item he wrote fifty cents a week explaining that it stood for his promotion in the store by which he earned just so much more a week as for daisy she said promptly a chicken most as big as a turkey it isn't because i want so much she explained with a little flush on her cheek but i like it to be big because it might almost be called a turkey and i like the name turkey very much for thanksgiving it was intensely interesting work more than one exclamation was made over the length of the list mother said daisy hesitating over her turn could you put down something that you hadn't got and be thankful for that of course said ben answering promptly daisy bryant hasn't the smallpox will that do no i don't mean that i don't quite know how to tell what i do mean but mother if you might have had a thing and wouldn't buy it because you thought it was not right to use the money for it wouldn't it be a thing to be thankful for it certainly would said mrs bryant decidedly a prudent mind or an unselfish heart is a great cause for gratitude then ben you may put down for me saved fifteen cents daisy drew a long sigh of relief as though some important matter was settled at this mother and older daughter exchanged glances they knew that daisy's own tin bank contained just fifteen cents the sum of all her wealth which had been accumulating for months and months they knew just how she had been tempted to spend it letting sunday school money and benevolences of all sorts to say nothing of household needs go to the winds ben knew about it too and he leaned over and kissed his little sister squarely on the nose before he made the record but mother and older daughter also knew a delicious little secret which made them smile at each other although there was something in the mother's eyes that glistened presently ben gave a short sharp whistle see here he said how am i ever to get the sum of all these things people and books and chicken and house rent all mixed up together it is compound addition with a vengeance the things won't add suppose you let me do the summing up mrs bryant said as she took the notebook and wrote at the bottom of the page in her neat plain fashion how precious are thy thoughts unto me o god how great is the sum of them if i should count them they are more in number than the sand. End of chapter 1